Welcome to the Kingsman Podcast. This is going to be our ninth episode talking about Avengers Endgame. This is going to be awesome. Yes, indeed. And it should have been expected, right? I mean, it just came out. It it did uber successfully, super successfully. Yeah. You, you, should have, you guys should have expected it. And before I have to interrupt, I was just thinking about this, Joey. If you haven't watched it, there will be spoilers. So that's, true. that's the reason why, you know, watch but out. exactly. So please watch it before listening to this episode. It's a but funny thing. Like it seems like everyone I talk to everywhere I go, they're talking about Endgame. Right. right? Yeah. And it's um, the buzz is kind of incredible. And I, in my opinion, it's kind of a cultural phenomenon. Um, what else in the world gets like 80% of the population talking about it, right? Right, exactly. Um, in my opinion, the MCU and maybe even the Marvel comics operates on a mythological level, right? Uh, yeah. I'm using it in the way that C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien used to say. Um, they would approach any story, any pagan, classical, Christian, me medieval story, and they'd ask, what, is, what in this story is true? You know, so that's what I want to do today. What is true in the story of Avengers Endgame? Um, sure, there might be some wrong things with it, but you know, there's so there are very few things in the world where, that are utterly wrong. You know, mm. and so as Christians, we can definitely go through the movie and we can interpret it and see what's what in the story is true. What moral virtues are in it? What vices are in it? What does it teach us? Mm. So. Um, I'd like to, to just kind of pose one thing and then we'll see how it goes. Okay, sounds good. I like, uh, I like how we're approaching this, Joey. Um, in many ways, I think also we're at a point where, uh, if I may, we're at a point where popular culture has become kind of the commentary yeah. of life and reality. Uh, especially for the for the majority of people, right? They're not just simply academics or scholars, or they're not the the small group. This is the way I think the world in in one shape perceives things, you know. And I think I think this is a very and that being said, if it could perhaps articulate theological concepts and ideas, um. Maybe not in a better way, but in a more enlightening, uh, eye-opening way. I think that's a very valuable thing. So yeah, let's let's do this. Right. Yeah. The, when I was watching Endgame, uh, the the first, I guess the biggest thing that stands out to me is sacrifice. Yes. You know, when you look at Black Widow and how she sacrificed her life to save her best friend Hawkeye, or you know Iron Man sacrificing his life in order to right. save his family, and also all of humanity, right? Th there's this sense where sacrifice seems to be the m most noble virtue out there. Hmm. Um, I'd say prob probably in every culture, right? Yeah, and definitely. And we may think that, oh, that's, what just, that's just what a hero does, or maybe that's what patriotism means, or what, that's what it means to be brave. For me, my thesis, my claim here is that it's actually a Christian ideal. Hmm. Christianity, um, in Jesus Christ, we see the sacrifice, selflessness, self-sacrifice, surrender, laying your life down for the, the one that you love. That's epitomized. It's yeah. The climax of history is found in Jesus Christ. And so yeah. when we look at the cross, I think that is the symbol of what a hero means, to lay your life down to save other people or to stand in solidarity with them or to look death in the face and not be afraid. Yep. You know? So... 
do you think that that all cultures somehow harken back, somehow reflect this idea that sacrifice is the noblest virtue? I, I totally do. I totally do. I think in any kind of context, whether it is whether it is in cultural or even biological, uh, for for the even maybe perhaps uh, for those that embrace this evolutionary you know i totally agree that uh that sacrifice is the greater ideal because it protects it protects the group right it's mm. what it is what is it it's it's an individual who sees that the greater good of protecting the group is to is to offer yourself up right mm. and in in many ways shapes or form that has you see that everywhere you know and i think that's why uh joseph campbell the guy who wrote um, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, and a lot of his theories and his ideas impacted and influenced a lot of the pop culture, you know, icons that we know today. For example, George Lucas was a was heavily influenced by this guy, and then we see it in all these other movies too. And it seems like for him, jo uh, Joseph Campbell, he observed that there was this figure that sacrificed themselves for the greater good of others, right? Mm -hmm. And we, in this time of history, created an archetype of that called the hero. So I think you're oh, absolutely yeah. Right. right. Yeah, you know, the very essence of that word, I think comes from that constant human experience of an individual offering themselves up for others. Uh, it, and as we see in the movie, the Russo brothers have communicated it so well at the end where this was the response to what Thanos does, right? Mm -hmm. The way to stop Thanos is to sacrifice yourself. That's what Iron Man did. That's what mm -hmm. Tony Stark did. So I couldn't agree more. And now, yeah, we, we can say for us, uh, so this is a human experience, right? I, I totally agree with that, but I think it's been elevated as a value in Christianity especially yeah. encompassing the founder of the faith, right? Jesus Christ, yeah. who who went through it all and um, showed that this is the better path. This is the bad, better way to sacrifice yourself for others. That's what love is. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally right. agree with that. I think there's something there's I, I ask myself, why is laying your life down so so powerful? Right. Hmm. And my initial thoughts are like, maybe it's because your life is the most precious thing you have. Yeah. Right? Like, I could accumulate wealth, I could get a house, a car, I could uh, amass a lot of possessions, right? But none of that measures equally to mm. my life. And so if I were to lay my life down for yours, my life for your life, it's probably the most precious gift you can give yeah. to a person, you know? And that's probably why it, it hits home so much. And something that kind of... Um, I don't know. This, I don't actually have an answer for this, right? But in Avengers Infinity War, the motto was, we don't trade lives, hmm. right? Captain America is right. arguing with, um, who? I don't remember who he was arguing with, but they were talking about trying to, uh, they wanted to sacrifice some lives in order to save other lives, right? Right. I think it was uh, Vision, Vision who basically was saying, oh, yeah. uh, who was basically saying, in order in order to stop Thanos, you have to defeat me. You have, you have to, to destroy him. Exactly, right. Destroy the stone, and, which would destroy him. Right, and then Captain America responds back, you know, we're not, we're not going to do that. That's not, right. uh, we're not going to, uh, 
Well, I forgot how you said it, but that's we don't, exactly. We don't trade lives. Exactly. And I think that's a, uh, that story tells you, it, it teaches you something, right? Um, it, it tells you that life is precious, that you shouldn't um, foolishly throw it away. There's something valuable in it, right? Yeah, um, right. And that's a good value to have. Right. But in Avengers Endgame, they changed the motto up. It's no longer we don't trade lives. What's the motto? Um, whatever it takes. Right. Sometimes yep. it takes the sacrifice of, of, of a life to save many, you know? And I don't know, like, to, in your opinion, what do you think is true? Which motto is more true or more, which one should we uh, aspire to more? We don't trade in lives or whatever it takes? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good question because I think it really just depends on the context, right? I think both are, are, have equal weight, but what is the context of it? Like, for example, if someone says whatever it takes, I don't want Thanos to believe that, right? You know, it's just like, yeah. it'll take destroying half the universe, whatever it takes, right? Yeah. Um, so in that regards, I would say we don't trade lives would be the better. <laughs> it would depends be on the, the better. intent, right? Yeah, exactly. It's all about the intent. Um, but I think if I was thinking as based off the value of Christianity and what Jesus espouses with uh, the, pr the, the, the first principle of knowing that I have to be selfless. I have to be selfless. I think both have valid weight, right? Because I'm thinking of others, I'm not going to trade another life for my own. I would rather I would attempt to gain the garner gain the courage to um yeah. to sacrifice myself, right? And then whatever it takes, what does that mean? Okay, I'm willing to die now. I'm willing to die for others, right. you know? And so as long as the motive, as long as the heart says uh do, as long as the heart says I think of others before myself, I think both have both are almost synonymous if you think about it, right? So, yeah. I it's fascinating how both they actually seem like opposites mm. but how can opposites yeah. be both true at the same time huh, and right. then more fascinatingly like jesus christ embodies both and yeah like yeah how he he, do, he doesn't want to waste another person's life but he, he'll do whatever it takes to save their life and absolutely the, in this crazy formula it's it's himself right? mm. and this is kind of like that formula where dr stephen strange like looks through 14 million scenarios and yeah. the only equation that will make this all work is if one person sacrifices their life for yeah, everyone right. else and it's this funny thing because like um you know when the infinity gauntlet was being like passed back and forth they're playing like they're basically playing football right yeah exactly to the <laughs> yeah um like spider-man picks it up black panther even captain uh, marvel right but nobody's willing or maybe nobody thinks to put the glove on you know? Wow, that's yeah, that's um, so that's like, a really good. In, in my mind, I just think the reason why this war keeps going on, why the battle keeps raging on, why people are still dying, is because nobody is willing to put the glove on and end it. Wow, wow. And I don't know that Tony Stark was the only person who could have put his hand in the glove, and and that that was the only scenario in which the universe would be saved. Right. Maybe maybe Doctor Strange saw that. The only scenario where this world would be saved is if one person, any person, was willing to put their hand in the glove yeah. and stop and, and stop the carnage. You know? hmm. Hmm. So it talks about how Jesus Christ does the same thing. Yeah. You know, like 
He didn't look to someone else to save the world. Right. He took exactly. it upon wow. himself, whatever it takes. And I don't, I'm not going to trade lives at it. So the only answer is I'm going to do it for everyone. Wow. You I'm know, take it for the team. I, you know, it's, I'm really, it's amazing how things work out. Just, you know, just even this morning, I was, I was watching a YouTube video about uh, extreme responsibility, absolute responsibility, <laughs> you know, and, um, I, you know, and I actually listened to uh, um, an audio book. Um, uh, Jocko Willink is a retired Navy mm -hmm. SEAL, and mm -hmm. he wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. And in many ways, the whole idea is, the whole idea is that life is unfair and and sometimes you're a victim of that, right? And right. you, you uh, but the whole idea is the solution is not to justify the victim mentality of all that. It's, you're not, it's not satisfying to say, well, I'm a victim and I deserve all these things and this, that, this, that. What, what the writer and this video was saying was um, you realize the truth of everything that you are a victim of something, but the solution is you take ownership of that and you yeah. and you step up above it and say, but you still have control over the way you deal with it, you know? And that was the start of that their thesis. But the whole idea of extreme ownership and absolute personal responsibility, it seems that yeah. especially in light of in light of of grievance and a light of um what's the word of problems right it seems then that tony stark took it upon himself to be extremely personally responsible to finish it right and perhaps you know again we could i could be wrong about this this is just a thought that just came to my mind what you just said right now but being selfless is someone who takes personal responsibility at its absolute yeah. end you know it's just like realizing okay what can i do in this situation that's exactly what jesus did you're exactly right you know it's just like yes he was yes he was part of this greater divine plan but it took it took him to choose to do it right and we see it over and over again especially in matthew mark and uh, matthew mark and luke yeah. the garden of gethsemane scene you know lord you know take this cup away from me i don't want to do it yet not my will but yours be done he's choosing to make it his responsibility yeah. to accomplish what god has done for god is right. going to do through him you know yeah. and so that's 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 powerful for me yeah, i uh, i really uh wow that's really cool that's really cool you know the whole idea of being selfless is pursuing personal responsibility you know, it's just like, and willing to be responsible for what needs to be done. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. There's this other aspect of, of selflessness where you can be selfless without being solitary. You're like, you yeah. don't have to be the soul, soul savior, right? Right. And this is something that I saw in Fat Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Thor I don't Lebowski. know what else to call him that. Yeah. Okay. The, the Lebowski, right? Yeah. It's right. totally true. Right. Um, like in past Thor movies, right? It, he seems to be the most powerful Avenger, or the strongest mm -hmm. Avenger. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's kind of a joke, and an unjoke. And yeah. re remember when he showed up on the battlefield uh, last in the last movie? And, oh, um, dude! Yeah. 
And then Bruce Banner was like, you guys are so screwed. Because in his head, Thor, by he was the Calvary could wipe out everybody. That's right. Sure, right? Yep. He was the Calvary. But, but in this movie, you see someone totally different. Um, yeah. He's depressed. He's lost his mom, his dad, his brother, his best friend. He lost half his people. Um, and then he failed to defeat the enemy, which resulted in the loss of 50% of all of all life. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't actually, I don't look down on him for being depressed and a drunk and overweight. Right. Um, so the way that I see it is that he's actually just, he's human. Yeah. And he's even more, um, more admirable for that, you know? Mm. And, and so instead of going into the battlefield trying to fight Thanos by himself, which a selfless, solitary person would do, Thor actually partners up. He teams up with, um, with Iron Man and Captain America and anybody on the field, right? He works together, right? Yeah. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to work by yourself to be a hero. In fact, this is this is where I, I'm gonna like really lay it home here. I think he's the best that he can be hmm. working together as a team. He's more noble now than he was before. Nice. Because now he's working together with other yeah. people. Um, uh, what do you think about that idea? I love it. I, I think it was great. I think because there's a tendency, I think, for uh, especially specifically for Christians, and the reason why I say that is one, this is the tradition that I'm so familiar with. But two, I think it also is our, uh, is due to the story that we hold as sacred, right? But it's a term, it's called a Messiah complex. Right. Where, where the, yeah. you know, and, and, and I think a lot of pastors, um, pastors kind of, you know, fall victim to it. Uh, and I know that I have and had when I was um, in ministry and serving at a church. And, um, but the whole idea is that you, you, you take it upon yourself, yeah. you take it upon yourself and you don't invite others for help because right. that'll make you look less of, of the yeah. savior. Right? right. And, you know, and if that is the case, if that was the case prior of Thor, where he had a messiah complex mm. it was rooted in his hubris you know what i'm saying and that's where all messiah complexes actually come from it's rooted in our pride in believing that i am better than others and i'm the mm. only one that i could actually solve the right. situation right and i don't and I, need others either exactly i don't need others and so for thor in infinity war i uh, maybe that was that was that was it and 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 then he quote unquote accomplishes it unfulfillingly. You know, he 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 he, he fails, does what he does. He fails exactly. Fails. He utterly fails. And now what? What is he gonna do? What can he do? And yeah. and now he's at this he's at this low point, this nadir point of his life where he plays video games, where he play, where he eats and drinks and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. In many ways, I think it's. Is resonates to the story of many young men <laughs> everywhere, you know. Yeah. Um, and basically he, everybody sitting in the theaters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right, right. But he's purposeless. He 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 doesn't have any drive anymore, mm. you know. And then he realizes, due to his inefficiency, he realizes he needs others, and that he could also be. He doesn't have to be the head of the cavalry, um, yes. but he can be yeah. a great support 
yeah. at the end, you know? He, he and doesn't so, actually have to be the only one worthy. Yeah, either, right? right. Like, exactly. When he saw his, his friend and com, uh, companion, uh, Captain America, Peter yeah. Mjolnir, yeah, he yeah. got excited. He's like, Exa- I knew Oh it. my gosh, exactly. And, and so he wasn't, he didn't have to hog all the glory. Right, right. And he celebrated it when, yeah. he celebrated it when he saw his friend um, take up that honor, right, of wielding uh, the hammer, wielding Mjolnir. That's a yeah. very cool point. That's a very good point. Yeah. And so I don't actually look up to Thor now because he's able to face the enemy down by himself. I look to look up to him because he's willing to work alongside anyone. Yeah, right. And so I feel like this is actually a reflection on God, too. I mean, okay. of, of all beings uh, in... Of all beings, God could, in fact, defeat the enemy by himself. Yeah. He could solve all our problems by, on his own. With a snap. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even have a snap, right? No, nah, that's true. Think it. <laughs> that's true. Right? And, and certainly there are things that God does on his own and we have no part in it. Um, but there's a good, good amount of things in the world where, paradoxically, God does invite us to come and participate in his redemption. Yeah. His restoring, his restorative work, right? Right. God doesn't operate alone like a lone wolf, but he single-handedly, um, oh, he doesn't try to single-handedly save the world. He brings us along. Yeah. He works with us. He empowers us. He guides us and directs us and cheers us on. Yeah. And it's this incredible privilege. And I feel like Fat Thor is all of us, <laughs> you know? Nice. And, and he's, I wouldn't call him a Christ figure, but he's doing what Christ does. Right. Right. And he jumps into the fray and he does it in inspiring other people too and, and pushes them on and works with them. Yeah. You know, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because it, it made a connection just right now. It made a connection in the film when everything is said and done and they have this long kind of like conclusion moment. Hmm. Where does Thor go? Instead of, instead of taking up being king, he gives that honor to Valkyrie, which is phenomenal, I think. I think that was great. But then he goes and joins the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? And you have that weird kind of moment where it looks like Quill um, is almost in conflict. The fact that Thor is now joining mm-hmm. yeah. them, you know, yeah. it's and and for Qu- and for Star Lord Peter Quill's character, it's like, okay, who who's who's the head honcho <laughs> in this ship? Yeah. And Thor. It looked like he's egging it on, but right. you it was know, hilarious. What, I loved it. But what one of my most ju- favorite scenes. <laughs> <laughs> what you just mentioned kind of adds to that scene, where the idea is that Peter Quill, Star Lord, is not comfortable. He has, he still has a messiah complex, right? Thor, on the other hand, doesn't. He's actually comfor- more comfortable with himself now, and he removed that messiah complex away from him. Yeah. That's why he acts the way he acts in the ship, right? And then, like, everyone's kind of, like, saying, you know, you guys should fight for the leadership <laughs> of the ship. And, it, yeah. and then and then Rocket goes, it should be a knife fight. I have a knife. You know, let's. I have knives. <laughs> and then Mantis yeah. goes, yes, let it be a knife oh fight. Oh, my gosh. You know? And then Thor goes, no, 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 there shouldn't be a knife fight here. We all know yeah. who... You know, and stuff. Exactly. (laughs) But the funny thing is, it could be the fact that he actually affirms that Star-Lord is actually the leader, but he wants to just tag along and and help out. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know if Volume 3 is going to talk about that, but what you just shared 
enhanced that scene for me, which is is really cool. Uh, could yeah. I add two references to uh, to what you just shared? Okay, yeah. so last night I actually saw, and you know, uh, going to anime here, I actually saw One Punch Man. I I, mm -hmm. I always wanted to get a chance to see it, so I saw the entire first season this week, but. In the last one or two episodes, there was a space invasion of this like super powerful alien pirate group mercenaries. And and the way that One Punch Man works, like this society has classified heroes. There's the A class, the B class, the C class, and then there's this S class where when they have to deal with these cosmic threats, the S class comes in and um, helps out. And so this was this huge world-shattering threat. And, and so the beautiful thing about this was everyone participated in their own way. And no one, no one was rooting for who, who, gets, who gets the top you know, recognition. They all did their thing in their own way. So the S-Class uh, heroes were fighting, were fighting the alien threat. The B and the C-Class heroes we're trying to save survivors. And and then there was the main character, Saitama, One Punch Man, um, who's actually defeating the main pirate king alien. And it it was so <laughs> it was so emotional for me because you know it, it was uh because I wish the church could act like that, or maybe the church does, I don't know. But like often we get we get so enamored by the 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 fighting the infighting yeah. wouldn't it be amazing if there was this major crisis you know like in one punch man where mm -hmm. the church realized let's just forget about who's on top and who gets the recognition let's actually find our strengths and work together to figure this situation out mm -hmm. and in many ways that that battle and end game was really emotional for me too because you have that moment where everyone forgot their pride and said like who forget the recognition this was truly an army of heroes you know where the idea is like yeah. forget all that we we know what we need to do and we will join together to fight against this huge threat and so that was that was really powerful for me um yeah. i forgot my second reference to that so uh right. so don't worry well, about it but i do have a thought now, now that okay nice me. nice so um we think that like, when we're looking at that last battle scene, right, which took like over an hour long, we think that <laughs> the main, well, the main, uh, the main front of the battle is between Thanos and whoever is in front of him, right? Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, those are the, the heavy hitters. Right, And right. we think that that's where the, the war is lost or won. Yeah. And it kind of is, but does that mean that Everyone else fighting like that—that's their struggle. Doesn't matter, right? You know, like no. the, you know the who are the wizards that fight fight under um, Doctor Strange? Yeah, I um, forgot what who they were they were called, but yeah, yeah. the or, or the any one of fireworks guys, right? The fireworks people, yeah, yeah, or any one of the people from Wakanda, yeah, or right. Any one of the people, even the Ravagers came along to come yeah. and fight alongside, right? right? Exactly. Do, okay. Does that mean that their their battle, their fight, isn't as consequential or right. isn't as meaningful? Yeah. Um, I would think the answer is no, right? Nope. Like every person's fight matters, um, and and Christians have the same problem too. Like we often say that um, it's the earthly everyday sin that, that we have to fight, and that's the mm. only thing that matters. 
or, or other people would say it's the cosmic battle that matters the most yeah. between Jesus and Satan and sin right. and as if the, the two are unrelated and right. the same right. thing, right? Yeah. So the way I see it is like every fight matters. Yeah. They're all on the same spectrum if they're not on the same plane. Yeah. Um, so it it's like we, we need both. We need, a, yeah. we need victories on every level. Uh, we need it at the cosmic level. Yeah. Sin, sin and evil needs to be defeated at the cosmic level, but it also needs to be overcome at our everyday level. Meeting mm-hmm. you here and now with yep. our with our bodies, with our yeah. hearts, with our minds. You know, like those battles need to be won just as much. Exactly. Um, and um, that's and let me just crazy talk, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And I I just you know when you, when you mentioned that, that's why for me I'm I'm so thankful for all all the people that I've worked in ministry with, you know, and, and the encouragement I get when I know that, you know, my brother in Christ or my sister in Christ is on board with this mission, you know, and just like, okay, what can I do to help kind of thing? Um, I just thought of what I was going to say next. It's the whole partnership with God and his chosen creation to participate in his greater plan to restore all things. Um, you know, it, you're right. It is a privilege and it is an honor. And it reminds me of what the way that Paul expresses it in um, Ephesians and Galatians, I believe, mm-hmm. where the whole idea is that this, this, it was the way that Paul expresses it. I forgot the ver- the words verbatim, but he almost says that this is an honor undeserved to him specifically because of what he did towards the church. He was an enemy towards the church. And then God just transforms him and says, well, I want you, I want you to participate in my creation this way, you know, and he, for him, it was an honor, but it was also grace. It was, it was grace to know that he can, he was given the privilege to, do what he needs to do for God because God says it doesn't matter what you were before. Yeah. I've chosen you to help me participating in this in this in this endeavor. And for Paul, it was not just simply an honor, it was it was an act of grace as well. It was something that he did not deserve. You know, and I think that that is a I think that's a litmus test for mm-hmm. Christian followers, you know, because I think a lot of times we won't admit it. But I think a lot of Christian leaders in particular would say, yeah, you know, I'm equipped to do this job that God's given me. No, we're not. We are totally not equipped. And that kind of mentality shows us that we're not equipped. You know, um, the mentality should be, I don't deserve to do this job. Um, I don't deserve to participate in God's plan, this good plan, this good plan of restoration. I've destroyed, yeah. I've torn asunder, I've caused division. Who am I to yeah. who am I to participate in God's plan of restoration and redemption? Yeah. And 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 I think for me that's a good litmus test, right, for for believers is to know that how do you feel about yourself participating in God's mission? And and I think the good a good response would be i don't deserve to i really don't i don't deserve to be a, to to participate in it and and then god god in his grace says yeah i know <laughs> you know yeah, but yeah. um but yeah, i want kind, you to that's the the headspace that thor was sitting in yeah like, wow yeah. he failed so much um how, how could he protect 
anyone if he's lost the most important people in his life. Wow, and, right. And right. I think, I don't remember if it was Rocket who came alongside him and said like, you can do this. Yeah, exactly. Thor, right? And it's almost like the Holy Spirit coming yeah. alongside you and saying, yep. you can do this, I'm with you. Right. Right? Right. And um, I think that you're, you're absolutely right. Like so many of us have high callings, noble callings that God wants us to head towards to, but but we think that we're inadequate. Mm. And I'm speaking from personal experience, right? <laughs> I think that I'm inadequate yeah. or I think that I've failed and so therefore I don't deserve to be a part of this. Um, and that holds us all back. Yeah, you know? yeah. And the, the God that I worship is greater than my failures. Mm. And, I, and I wish that more people could hold on to that. I wish that I could hold on to it, you know? Like, yeah. Um, where I believe that God's power is greater than my failures. Uh, that my weaknesses are not enough to obstruct the will of God, you know? Yeah, right. So let's, let's, let's just jump into it and let's keep yeah. going. Okay, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And so another part where we're talking about like the development of character, right? Mm-hmm. One of my most favorite character arcs was Tony Stark and Steve Rogers. Yeah, def- um, right. And I'll admit that I didn't actually get all of these ideas for myself. I was watching the YouTube channel, The New Rockstars, and I was watching an interview with the Russo directors. Nice. And so they helped me see this. This is an intentional thing where the two lives of Tony Stark and Steve Rogers kind of intertwined. Hmm. Um, it was It's about destinations and traje- trajectories. And um, I don't know who you identify with more, but but I, I think both people are, are people that anyone can uh, like uh, identify with, right? So Tony starts out as a selfish power hoarder. He's greedy. All he's willing to do is he's bent on making money, right? Yeah. And and Captain America, when they when they have their face down in uh, the first Avengers, he he says that Tony always thinks there's a way out. He's not willing to lay his life down on the wire. He's not willing to make the sacrifice play. Hmm. But you know what? By the end of the by the end of this phase, Iron Man does. Yeah. He proves Cap wrong, and he does make the sacrifice play. He goes from being selfish to being selfless. Yep. Now, that's Tony Stark. Steve Rogers, on the other hand, Captain America, he goes the opposite direction. Um, he, he, he literally threw himself on a grenade to, to try to protect his yep. um, fo- that's right. soldier and brothers, that. right? And, and he's the most selfless, virtuous rigid person in the MCU, right? Yeah. You wouldn't even be able to cuss around him, right? <laughs> um, and and so Tony Stark at their showdown, Stone, Tony said that the only heroic part about you came from a bottle. Oh. Basically saying that it's just a chemical mixture that makes you a hero. Hmm. And in the in at the end of this phase with Endgame, you see that Captain America is able to pick up Mjolnir. He is worthy, and his wow. worthiness doesn't come from a bottle. Yeah, but right. it, it came through like lots of dark times, right? Like when he, he had to go and, and flee, he had to go into isolation. He had to. I think he had a lot of character development to go through. Yeah, a lot definitely. Of humbling, but humility in a different way. And so by the end of, of the the phase, he's now um, he shows that he, his worthiness comes from more than just a bottle. Mm-hmm. That's the super soldier serum. And he proves Stark wrong in the same way that Stark proves Cap wrong, right? He he is now, for the first time in his life, able to be self-interested. He, he went from being selfless 
to being able to get that life that he'd always wished for himself, which is yeah. to marry, marry Peggy Carter. Right, right, right. right. And that was my worst favorite part of the movie. She, the the life, the happily ever after with Peggy Carter. That was really you didn't like favorite. that. No, I'm, I liked it, but I'm oh, saying okay. Esther okay. liked that most. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. All right, cool. So <laughs> here you have two characters developing in their arcs, and that's what makes the story makes the story so interesting, right? When you see them start over here and then mm -hmm. they end in a totally different place, both becoming better, but better in, in different ways. Yeah, and. Um, and all of it is just fascinating. I think I can totally identify with both. What do you think? I um, so I guess I'll just begin it with this way. I I feel that I'm more like Tony Stark, but I want to be Steve Rogers. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, and so um, because I think because I think he encapsulates an ideal. Um, but at the same time, you know, just by you mentioning that, you know, the the journey of the journey of Captain America. Um, did not happen in just three movies. It happened in the entire, you know, cinematic universe cycle of of um, of these these for these ten years, you know. And I think that's what that's what amazes me. If I can just go off a tangent in regards to the art aspect of what was what was accomplished, I think the reason why it's such a cultural phenomenon is because this is the first time that you saw within a ten year scope the um a cohesive story arc that was accomplished you know and all the little factors that had to needed to happen in order for it to accomplish actually worked it was successful this th i don't think we will see in my opinion we haven't seen anything prior to it i don't mm -hmm. think we'll see anything after of mm -hmm. how amazing this 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 uh this 10 year cycle has been but yeah. in it you know in it um you uh in it you see steve rogers like you said transform you know and um i would like to actually you know pick your brain at it some more but in our notes you mentioned that he learns to become less rigid he was this rigid yeah. ideal and he becomes flexible i really like that idea but i want i want to yeah. i want you to elaborate more on that Sure, yeah. I think when I look at Steve Rogers, I think of like there's certain Christians in the world who are like very religiously rigid in their morality, okay. right? Yeah. And I'm not saying being moral is bad. Right. But like there's such a, such a stickler for the law or yeah. the rules or, you know, and, and the rules are always set up there so that you can not fall into sin and that's fine and good. But um, it shows you that like sometimes I think we're too rigid. I think mm. we take it too far, right? Yeah. And, you know, it makes me, this is an ambiguous thing, and I don't know that I'm giving, like, the right Christian answer here, but I feel like sometimes it's okay to be happy, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I may, I may even take your question and ask you another question. Who's, who sacrifices nobler or more mm. heroic? Stark, he gives up a happy life with his wife and yeah, his kid. Yeah, I know. Ugh. But Rogers, his whole life has been giving up sacrifices. Right. right. He's, he gave up Peggy Carter way back when he um, yep. flew the plane down into the ice, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and he's lived for 70 years without the love of his life. So uh, who is more sacrificial? Right. Um, maybe there's no answer for that. Maybe they're just both they just hit you really deep in the heart like, oh, sacrifice from mm -hmm. both. Um, but in in that 
I feel like I think now that you're asking me about it, I think Rogers, because of the all of the sacrifices that he's made, he's realized that it's okay to be happy, hmm. and he's loosened up on his rigidity. Nice. Um, I, and then Tony actually origin, he hardens himself up too. Like he right, gets a little exactly. morally strong. Whereas right. Whereas before he had none, he was spineless. Right. Nice. I like that because so as I was thinking about what you were saying, I think this this is really true to um, Christian spirituality and discipleship and how to live as a Christian, right? And it's it's the learning to be flexible. So if I if I may, like so Captain America, he's an ideal. An ideal an ideal are always rigid. They're always rigid. They're they're mm. foundational. They're they they don't they don't deter. They don't deter. And um but and so we endeavor as human beings who are not idealistic to achieve that ideal you know that's that's why ideals are are really good for goal seeking right but say that you fail over and over and over and over again say that you screw up over and over and over again that ideal isn't encouraging anymore that Mm -hmm. ideal is actually intimidating and then you become antagonistic to the ideal and then you say, well, screw the ideal. You know, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. And no one should tell me otherwise. No ideal should tell me otherwise. Flexibility allows kind of cushion. It allows, allows extra space to wiggle around, to, uh, to, to attempt and make mistakes, you know? And I think with Captain America, he, that's, that was his journey where yeah. he, he was this, Patriot. He was this national patriot, right? He that the government was absolute, and the authority um, was should be embraced and accepted no matter what. Then he goes through civil war. Um, yeah. I'm, excuse me. Then he goes through Winter Soldier, civil war. He sees that authority cannot be trusted. Yeah. He everything yeah. everything that was his his ideal collapsed. Everything right? he stood for. Exactly. Believe was true. Exactly. And then we see in Infinity War a visible representation of that. The star is gone off the chest. He's dirty. He's 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 um he has a beard. Yeah. Yeah, he becomes he he he's he's facing the rigidity of um his ideal. Instead of instead of walking away from that, he he goes and confronts it, right? And he says, "Okay, Whatever happened before, I need to forget. I need to embrace it now. And what happens? He dons or he wears his old getup again. The star is shining. The star is bright. He's even stronger than before because just like you said, he is worthy now to carry the hammer. It was that journey of being flexible that helps him to achieve that point, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't know that some people may misinterpret us and say, oh, what you're saying with the word flexible means that now you have to give up morals. You have to give no, up doing what's not. right. That's right. not what we're trying to say, right? Absolutely not. I think what I'm saying is like in in watching Steve Rogers' journey, it kind of, um, it's a refraction or a reflection of Jesus' struggle against the, the legalistic Pharisees. Yeah, nice. The Pharisees, they all they stand for is the law, right? Oh, the law as, as far as they interpret it. Right. And they're so... St- uh, strict and rigid on their laws that they forgot why the law was put there in the first place yeah which is to protect life right, right? and and when Jesus comes along and protects life 
heals people, provide for the provide for them even on the Sabbath day. This is the point of the Sabbath day, right? You know, to increase life and joy and happiness and peace, right? But but they get so stuck on the law that oh well, you did it on a Sabbath day, so therefore you're sinning. Yeah, exactly. And they're so they're not flexible enough, and that's the kind of flexibility that I'm trying to refer to here. Yeah, it's that Jesus wasn't so s stiff that he couldn't relate to people that yeah. he couldn't befriend the weak the poor right. the vulnerable the social outcasts or the marginalized and and he was able to um have emotion you know yeah. he's able to be happy and to be joyful yeah. and to be sad you know and that's kind of what steve rogers goes through he for once gets to act a little selfishly and it's a good thing yep god, i think god wants us to be happy and um not in the sense where like we do whatever pleases us but that, like, we, st we stand up for what's right, which right. will make us happy. If I may, I think I, I, I justify it in the way in, in regards to, um, I justify it in regards to the, con the concept, the concept of resurrection, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was kind of, those, those were my overarching thoughts of, of the movie Endgame. It's central, it's central to the idea of resurrection. But the way that I see it is this. Like you said, Steve Rogers' life was nothing about sac was all about sacrifice. All is all about sacrifice. But the moment that Thanos is not a threat anymore is I think we can parallel that as the moment of Jesus Christ coming back and fulfilling everything. You know what I'm saying? Where it's just like he the the second the second return of Christ, everything is taken care of, everything is done. The question then you ask, what is a person who devoted himself to sacrifice is now able to do? Once Christ comes back, well, in my the quick the, the the quickest answer for me is the restoration of relationships. What was once what was once lost, what was once lost, or what was once not uh, not uh, able to have, you can now have. You know what I'm saying? And so and so now Steve Rogers, who sacrificed his entire life, is now given the opportunity. You know, well done, good and faithful servant. Your relationships are restored now, you know, and then you have this moment to be with the person that you love. Mm -hmm. Now, at the same time, we have a paradox where what what St Tony Stark's character went through was prior to the second coming of Christ, where there's a price to sacrifice and it's a painful price. Mm -hmm. It's a heartbreaking price, you know, um, but God says sacrifice is for him. Sacrifice is the way to restore things, you know, and um, yeah, and it's gut wrenching. It is gut wrenching because he didn't deserve that. He did, he, he should have been happy with his with his daughter, should have been happy with Pepper Potts, you know, but he realized that this was the only way. So he had to sacrifice. Right. And this is still the story for many believers today and many people who sacrifice today um um because we still haven't fully experienced the 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 second coming you know yeah. and so those sacrifices still hurt but they are necessary you know and so tony stark's life represents a person that's why i say tony stark is a lot like me because it's someone who endeavors to be more and more selfless Captain America represents the hope of the future of what happens when you are selfless, uh, yeah. when you choose to be selfless. Because when Christ comes back, where he has the power and the ability to resurrect all things, all creation, yeah. um, 
you now have the chance to say, you know, I lost a lot of people, you know, and, and there's so many people that um, I loved that are gone. And now when Christ comes back, excuse me for being so emotional here, but when Christ comes back, I get to see them again, you know, and um, and that's, I think, was Captain America's experience, you know, and he's now content. He's at peace. That's why he doesn't need to be. That's not that's why he doesn't need to be the super soldier anymore. He decides at the end to be old. He decides that I don't need to carry the shield anymore. I can offer it to the next generation, which for Christians, we need to learn you know, we need to have the humility to say, my time is done. I have to bestow it to the next generation now. I have to give that shield to the next generation now. Um, so, yeah, so I, that's yeah. how that's how I saw. No, that's great. Yeah. That, that's really mind-blowing because I, I didn't think of, we're such time-bound creatures, you know? Like, yeah, right, I, yeah. I, I see Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, and they, they're standing side by side. And yeah. And the, the, the figures are limited to that time and space, right? Right. Like, but right. as we know with Endgame, like time and space, <laughs> you, it's flexible too, you know? Like yeah. you can play with it, sure. Yeah, exactly. And so the way that, I mean, if any of you are not aware of how Christian like uh, worldviews work, like we have different phases. Yeah. Well, I, I say phases, but it's really like ages or eras or aeons where we, Jesus, um, God in Christ comes to earth, incarnated as a human yeah. and saves humanity on the cross, but also in his life and teaching and uh, miraculous powers right and then he ascends to heaven and so now we live in this awkward already but not yet phase yeah where we know that god has defeated sin and death and evil but it's not quite clear it's like an in-between place yep and so we're anxiously waiting for christ to come back and and, and finish off the restoration the rescue exactly salvation and to like definitively end the reign of, of terror right yeah. And then after the, after that happens, after the eschaton, which is Greek for the end, um, God will reign and Satan will be cast down and we will live in an age of peace and harmony and joy yeah. and restored relationships, right? Yeah. So that's what Simon is trying to talk about. And thank you for, for providing that uh, detail. Yeah. And so he, you're, you're envisioning that Tony is living in this stage where we are right. in now. Yeah. Anxiously, uh, we're... we're broken we've messed up things are dark and worrisome and we, we're trying and striving to to our best ability to live well right but then captain rogers he is almost like he's living past yeah. the return um, exactly what would life look like after jesus comes back where yeah. life is fulfilled and uh, renewed and you can have, be joyful again and you could be with the people that you love and you could look back on your life and you could remember that you'd you laid your life down on the line for exactly. everybody, you know, and yeah. it's already been done. Yep. So that's kind of cool. And I, I never had that perspective before until now. You know, and it's that's the beauty of storytelling, you know. Going back to our introduction of this episode, this is the reason why I think, and, I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is the reason why Joey and I enjoy these things, enjoy watching movies, reading comics, you know, and, and all that stuff. It's because... We have these moments by God's grace. It's almost as if, and I won't say this, this is the spirit, but I do get the sense that it's almost as if God allows this, these things to happen to show us, hey, you know, you've been thinking about this. This is kind of a way to explain it, you know? And, and, that's, and I think that's why we value 
these stories so much, you know, and it's not because it's and it's not to say that they're perfect ways of telling it, but they are they they provide a lot of weight to explaining some of these Christian truths, you know, and um, so yeah, yeah, I'm doing this totally to be to get famous, uh, to get popular. <laughs> you you can take your altruistic hopes and throw that out. That's you know what I'm saying? <laughs> At least you're honest about it. I, I, I cover it up by saying all these altruistic <laughs> right. hopes. So um, one last thing about flexibility, though, I, I asked I, um, while we were talking about being more flexible, just like Jesus, I, ha I asked the question as a Christian, what does that tangibly look like? How does that actually how is that actually ap applicable? And and in my mind, it it was this one single conclusion. Being flexible to the rigid ideal of what God demands, what that looks like is forgiveness. That's, that's what I think is what that flexibility is. Jesus had a forgiving heart. Jesus had the heart of forgiveness. And it was, a, and it's not just simply saying, I apologize or I'm sorry. It's having the perspective of saying, you know what, the, you know, these individuals, they, they're kind of like the ragtag bunch of society. They're kind of rough around the edges. That's okay. Let me talk to them. That's, that's what a forgiving heart kind of comes from. You know, it's the idea that you're willing to, and like I said, you're willing to forgive others, but you're also willing to forgive yourself so that I endeavor. So like you said, I'm not, when we say flexible, I'm not in, implying that we, I'm not implying that we, um, we just forget what God has teach has was teaching us in the Old Testament and in the New. I'm not forgetting, and I'm not throwing away morals or self control, you know, in pursuit of pleasure, like you said exactly. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is being flexible is I endeavor to be more self control and to be more selfless. I'm gonna make mistakes doing that. And I have to be flexible in accepting that. And but in the midst of that flexibility, I forgive myself so that I can become more and more like Jesus. I become better. So. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, it's a funny thing because like when we think about what's just, um, like the the most basic definition of what's just is you get what you deserve. Right. Right. Um, if you do good, then you deserve good. If you do bad, you deserve bad. And that's, in our mind, that's what's fair. Yeah. <clears throat> but if you look at how God treats us, He is merciful to sinners, which is inherently unfair. Right. Technically, He should be punishing us. Right. But instead, He not only releases us from the punishment, but He gives us the gift of Himself and the mm -hmm. gift of grace. And it goes beyond what we deserve, and it's totally unfair and unjust. Right. So forgiveness is unjust it's not right that god would lay his life down for a sin that he did not do yeah he shouldn't have to he, he shouldn't actually god shouldn't actually be able to die but he does this crazy mind-blowing thing where he lays his life down for us even though he doesn't have to and that yeah. gift is what transforms us it's it's the beauty of the cross that that makes yeah. us different and, and that transforms us and so when i think of flexibility i think of the flexibility to not punish a person even though we think they deserve it. Mm. I think I totally agree with you that God models for us what forgiveness is and that we should do the same. Yeah. We should not give people what they're due. We should not 
be just in that sense, but we should try to forgive. And mm. we should try to reconcile. Um, and we should try to restore relationships. And that's what matters most, right? Yeah. And this is something that I see also in Avengers, um, not only between Tony Stark and Captain Rogers, but between Nebula and Gamora. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, um, in 2014, the two sisters were not just sibling rivals, but they genuinely hated each other. <laughs> um, and for a good reason, because their, their, dad, right. their dad was terrible, right? Bad dad. Um, and somehow, when you are able to jump into the future, when you're go, able to go back into time, you're able to see that their relationship can change. Yeah. And so post-resurrection, let's say, post um, uh, quantum realm jumping, right. you could see that the goal is not to do what's just, to kill the bad sister, but to save the good sister, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think watching their relationship get restored was one of the most beautiful aspects of the movie. Yeah. That no one is so far gone that you can't save them. Um, they're worth it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's that's uh, Gamora and Nebula there. I like, I like that you brought them up because in many ways it reflects, it reflects the story of Cain and Abel, and it also reflects the solution to the mark of Cain, and 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 he, and here's what I mean. So, uh, um, Nebula and Gamora are literally Cain and Abel. Nebula is Cain, always seeking the approval of you know the pseudo father and stuff like that. But mm. she's jealous of Gamora, who has received the favor constantly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and right exactly, and it consumed her. It consumed her to the point of um, just homicidal mania, right? And then she realizes, mm. though, through her own journey, beginning in Guardians Volume One, you know, um, all she wanted was the love of the sister, and Gamora mm. wanted to provide that. Gamora Infinity War is dead, right? So she, it's gone for her in Infinity War. Now we have the, you know, now we have Endgame where due to the flexibility of time and space, she gets yeah. to see Gamora again, a resurrection moment for, for her, yeah, for you know? And, and, and it's, it's and for, for Nebula, it's a second chance, what, what was provided for her and and now she she's battling with herself uh, because because 2014 Nebula is out to destroy everything in the favor of of Thanos, right? Yeah. And what happens at this scene? And you brought it up, and I want to emphasize it: the 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 older, more experienced Nebula kills the old self Nebula, right? Mm. And that's the, that's the solution of the Mark of Cain. All of us can be tempted by the, the beast of, you know, because what, what does it say in, uh, in, in, in Cain? In, what does it, what does, yeah, what does God say to Cain? You know, it's just like, you have power over this, but if you, if you don't, it's going to subdue you, you know? Um, and that is the that is the legacy of Cain, and that is the economics of Cain that we still experience today. We get so consumed by this horrible mark, this horrible beast. Mm. What is the way? To, what is the solution to uh, to to thwart it? Is to kill the old self, and I think Nebula's 
Nebula's journey in Infinity War and Endgame perfectly reflects that, that the way to destroy this Kane influence is to destroy yourself. And, mm. and, and, um, and how do you do that by yourself? I don't think anyone really can. God has created something within us, but by his grace, um, him not being fair, he bestows his Holy Spirit. And he says, if you can't handle it on your own, I designed you to handle it on your own. But if you're unable to handle it on your own, my Holy Spirit will partner with you to overcome it and destroy it, you know? And so, yeah. but it, yeah. it only happened through the quote-unquote resurrection of Gomorrah so yeah I think it's we, I don't know that anybody understands time travel super well no um, but <laughs> right in, in the movie they try they're trying to explain like uh, was it smart Hulk he was trying yeah to right, explain, right. Um, hipster Hulk <laughs> that time travel doesn't work the way that back to the future works right right or that any other like <laughs> Terminator <laughs> yeah, and all exactly. that stuff it was hilarious and he was trying to say that, like, when you change the past, it doesn't affect your present self because your present already is. Um, it's like a riddle, right? Like, yeah, I, it's been a few weeks and I'm still thinking about it. But just think, just try to put yourself into Nebula's shoes, right? Right. Nebula n wants to save her her sister, even though her sister is the 2017 sister, mm -hmm. 2014 sister. Yeah. She has this um, moment where she needs to decide: Should I kill? myself in 2014 if I kill myself in 2014 maybe possibly my present self will be extinguished or annihilated right I'll disappear because my pre my past is erased yeah I don't know that Nebula watched back to the future or whether she you know like she's not a physicist right, right. so there's no knowing what will happen if she kills herself oh herself. right oh good point but wow but even if she she loves her sister so much that she's willing to erase herself from existence hmm. to save her sister. Nice. Isn't that crazy? That's phenomenal, man. Because she That's doesn't great. know that Bruce, uh, Bruce Banner's theory that, that time works in such a way where you can right. kill your past self and your present self will be fine. She doesn't know that. All she knows is that her sister is going to die. And yeah. so she's willing to kill herself, erase herself from existence yeah, so that Gamora could live. That's, that's, that's sacrifice. Right that there. is exactly what that is. That's exactly what sacrifice is. The knowing that you might, knowing that you might lose because of it, but you still do it anyways. That's that is the heart of sacrifice, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, in many ways, in many ways, this is this is how I believe what Jesus went through in in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, we, we know that he's God, right? Because, you know, from the Gospel of John, we know that he's God. But we also know that there was certain limitations on him. We don't know if he knew everything, right? And and it's not explicit, but what if he didn't know? What if he didn't know by dying on the cross, he will be resurrected on the third day? We, I mean, there's no real, I mean, Doesn't you know, granted... Well, there is precedent, and you know what? I shouldn't say that because no, I, there, I said there is no precedent for dying correct, and then coming right, back. right, exactly. Because um, I just remembered though a passage. He, he he did proclaim that you you destroy this temple, and then on a third day he'll come back to life. So never mind. I no, I retract that statement. No, so. I, I think it's still fearful. Like yeah, he yeah, makes, okay. He makes the prophetic prediction. You're right. Okay, um, uh, but it's as until it happens, it's still a theory. Okay. You know? 
that's better. That's a better way to say it. It's it was still a theory. Exactly. It was still yeah. a prophetic proclamation, and it ha- it didn't happen yet. It didn't happen. I think as of Jesus yet. in like you're saying, Jesus in Gethsemane was facing a very similar scenario as 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 Nebula was. Like, if I lay my life down, am I going to come back? Right. You don't right. know. No, exactly. He, he didn't know. That's why he was, well, that's one of the reasons why he was right. so fearful. Right. If not for the fact that Jesus was also facing the most torturous death in the world. That's true. Exactly. Um, but that sacrifice right there. Yeah. And, and so you see that it's not just men making sacrifices and right. saving the world, but women can also show just as much sacrifice and save, saving and being heroines in their own right absolutely you know so absolutely. I, I like how the movie is like saying that you don't have to just be male to be right. a hero no and that's and and again it goes and then it says in christianity you know there's going to be a moment where our differences will be secondary we won't they won't take yeah. primary and that all will participate in in god's glory and his and his work and his participation and that's why i love that scene where you know, Peter Parker gives it to Captain Marvel, and then you just have just this line of all the all the feminine hero, all the women heroes, just like just going for it, you know. And because the endeavor is, everyone needs to participate in the endeavor. Everyone needs to. Everyone needs to. Um, all sides of creation right. need to be a, need to participate, you know, and 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 because of that, there there because of that, we must value um, the input of everyone. So I I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, um, that what Jesus says is like the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Right. And right. The battle is real, right? Like the fight is real, and and we can't just limit the warriors to just one one half of the population. We need exactly. all people to jump into it. Absolutely. So, personally, I think that women are just as equipped and competent as men to be leaders. Oh, yeah. And and, uh, and God will God will use anyone who stands up for, for his cause, you know? Amen. So, um, I was thinking about another part of the movie, and it's kind of just like a, a hypothetical, right? Like, why... why? So, when, when Hulk had the glove on inside yeah. the laboratory. His instructions were to snap his finger and he needed to, to will something, right? And he would he would have to will bringing everybody back who was dusted, but they had to come back as they were, but everybody's memories who had survived needed to, to remain intact. Mm. Why couldn't he have snapped it? When you, well, I imagine that when you snap, you could make anything happen. Right. You right. could revert it back to five years prior if you right. wanted to. You could um, bring everybody back and wipe away people's memories, of the memories of loss and pain and hurt and depression. Like you could wipe all that out too. Right. Right. So, why why is it important to bring everybody back, but also keep the pain? Right. Yeah. And, and can I also add? It also would make things easier, right? Because my sis, my sister brought this up to me when Peter Parker comes back. He's going back to high school, the same age that he was, but it's five years after. You know, what if? What about all the high schoolers at his uh, school that uh, that didn't get snapped away? You yeah. know, it's just like, how do you deal with that awkwardness? It's like, well, I'm in college now. Um, but we used yeah. to hang out a lot, you know, kind of thing. It's yeah. like, what's up with that, right? So it would make things easier to just remove that aspect. But yeah, sure. but go ahead, yeah. go ahead. So my basic thought is that 
pain and loss are just as part of part of the the human identity as yeah. not, right? And I think the 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 fact is that most people try to avoid pain and loss right. as much as we can. Oh yeah. Um, and if we do have pain and loss, we like to desensitize ourselves with drugs or alcohol, or we'll try to um, distract ourselves with TV or some other other thing, right? Because we don't want to think about the pain and loss. Right. But what Adventures Endgame kind of shows us is that pain and loss are a part of us. It yeah. It's who we are. And right. to erase that also erase, erases something human about us. Yeah. Um, and so, the, in, and also another fact is that the memory of pain makes us more empathetic. Yeah, we learn exactly. From our, yep. We learn from our mistakes or yep. we we have regrets and so if if we forget the the pain and we for, forget the regret then we don't try to become better yeah you know right no so, I, I agree and um so, uh, i'm sorry go ahead go yeah ahead. yeah i was just trying to bring home the point that pain is good if we let it redeem ourselves or yeah if we let god redeem it in us that's good yeah and i uh and um it just reminds me again, going back to Romans eight, all things work for the good of those who love him, you know, and, and the whole idea is that it's not, it's not like God planned that horrible incident and says like, Oh, that, 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 that was supposed to happen. That's part of his great plan. What the idea is that you went through it, but if you trust in God and you seek him, he can redeem that pain and heartache and loss for something greater. It's like you said, one reason to be more empathetic. I think another reason is also to realize, um, to be grateful, you know, to, you know, the, the ability to have gratitude, the ability to have gratitude. Um, if we didn't have those experiences of pain and loss, what could we be really grateful for? You know? And so, um, and so, um, to know that, to know that, um, helps us to be grateful to help us to have a heart of gratitude but also um also it helps us realize the joy of an event you know what i'm saying the you know so like this great thing happened but loss still happened you know it's just like this is how serious this moment was you know and i think that was r r the reason why you know um the reason why the jewish people celebrate you know, the Exodus event with a week long celebration, you know, it's just like, we know what happened prior and, but this is what God did and we celebrate that, you know? And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's part of the human experience. Yeah. It's part of what makes us human. Right. Um, and so many of us want to, we desire the crown, you know, like we want to get to the happy place in right. heaven where there's no more pain and sorrow or lost right but the fact is that you have to go through the cross first to yeah. get to the crown absolutely and and i think that if, if you're a christian you i'm not saying that you enjoy pain no but that you um you value it it has right. a place in your life right and as much as we can we we want to take our pains and lay it at the foot of the cross and say god take this and make something good out of it yeah. do a miracle transform yep. it into something beautiful and i don't know that you can understand the beauty of the cross until you go through the pain yourself right you know? exactly and, and even if you you did get to heaven but if you never knew the pain of the cross and you you, won't, you wouldn't appreciate heaven at all. yeah yeah you wouldn't appreciate the gift that god's given you through this so you know there's uh yeah, go ahead c.s lewis his chronicles of narnia book th for me 
I have gotten more theological depth and truth from the Narnia books than I have like through mere Christianity or any of those treatises that he wrote. You know what I'm saying? Um, but one of them was uh, the magician's nephew. And I forgot, I think his name is Diggory. I, I, I forgot the kid's name, but he, he goes and this is kind of like the beginning of the Narnia universe, right? And he sees all that right and uh there's this golden tree this tree that produces the golden fruit and the ice queen tempts him and says you know if you get this golden fruit for yourself it'll heal your mom who has this ailment who has this sickness you know and uh but the but aslan the lion he says do not you know don't touch the golden the golden apple you know what i'm saying and and he struggles with it. He struggles right. with it. And, but then he, you know, and so the idea is that he won't, he decides not to, but he cries in front of Aslan because he says he knows what the golden fruit is going to do for his mom. And he wants his mom to get well. He wants his mom yeah. to get better. And he's so consumed by it. Speaking to Aslan, he cries. Right. Yeah. But then he sees puddles of uh, pools of tears, not his own. And he looks up to Aslan's face and he's crying too. Yeah, yeah. And Aslan says, you know, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but Aslan's, right. Aslan basically says, my dear son, only you and not I know what heartache is in this world. Let's be good to one another, you know? Yeah. And so the for me, the idea is this. The, in all of creation, who was the first person, the first being to experience heartache, pain, and loss? It was God. It was God. The moment, you know, the moment that that Adam and Eve decide to take the apple and hide from him, it was the first time he has, he's ever experienced loss, you know, and heartache. Yeah. And in that moment, in that moment, when we go through it, it's not like God allows it for us to experience what he experienced. But when I go through it now as a believer, I know that I'm also in fellowship with God in that way because he was the first to experience heartache and grief. And so I can come to him in tears. I can come to him in anger. I can come to him even even blaming God sometimes, but I can come to him. I can speak in confidence and boldness to him because um, I know that when I'm talking to him, he understands what I'm going through because he first experienced it. You know, um, another quote, I just, I was, I listened to this. Um, there was this guy, he's an atheist in a postmodern world. He lost his, he lost his, um, he, it wasn't his wife, but it wasn't his girlfriend. It was like this, this, uh, relationship basically, but he lo lost her mm -hmm. and he has this atheist postmodern mentality. And he, this is what he said. I do not believe in God but I do miss him, you know? And yeah. for us as Christians, we have this huge gift where when we go through grief, pain, and heartache, we can run to God and we can be angry with him if he wants, but he's so patient in, in, in knowing is like, you know what? It's okay because you're coming to me. Let's be good to one another, you know? And yeah. so that, that's, um, and like you said, for us who have this perspective, um, we are very much blessed and privileged to have this perspective because uh, we can we can go to we can be in fellowship with him in this way yeah. too. So yeah, yeah, and I think you know earlier you were like 
on the verge of tears. And, <laughs> yeah, and, I do that. <laughs> but it's a beautiful thing, and yeah. I feel like more of us need to do that, right? Like we, we live in a society where we privilege the mind over the heart, mm. uh, or we privilege um, the intellect over the affect, and I think that's it's not quite right. Like there needs to be a mm. balance between. Yeah. Um, the mind of the heart and yeah. when we look at God God's not like some supreme rational being right like just a, a giant brain in heaven right like yeah. God has supreme he is love God is love like not that he has love or not that he is loving only but he is love and mm. love is not like a concept right it's, right it's an it's an action in the heart. right and so when I look at Aslan and then I look at Jesus and I look at God I, I, I see that God is the most in tune with emotion, I guess. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. so, like, we we as Christians should deepen our pain and deepen our struggle and deepen our joy and right. deepen uh, any emotion that we have because that's what that's part of what makes us human. Right. That's the in, image of God in us, right? Yeah. And that's what I love about these movies because it, it's a roller coaster of emotion. Yeah, right? definitely. It, it takes us through the whole experience and... It has this power to to shape our priorities and shape our values, right? Yeah. Um, you know, um, uh, if I may, I want to add. You know, there's um, Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas, he brought up a lot of. He introduced a lot of uh, uh, philosophy, specifically Aristotelian philosophy, when describing um, theology, describing God. And I remember I took a class on it and in regards to does God have emotion? And I could be wrong here because it was so long ago, but there's a theological term um, and it's immutability, immutability. And basically the premise is God is perfect. If God is perfect, he is unchanging. That's why God is not doesn't have emotions. Well, and he's unchanging because he doesn't need to become better and he cannot become worse. Right, exactly. That's why he's unchanging. Right. Well, but an aspect of that a, t a conclusion of that is because of because he's unchanging, emotion changes. You know, it fluctuates. That's why God doesn't have emotion. And so this is one of those um, philosophical debates or philosophical discussions of God. Um, again, I'm not a philosopher and I am not equipped to be a philosopher. I only took a couple of courses on it, especially theological philosophy. But I, 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 I totally agree, disagree with that. I do not agree with that. I think his, his, his not changing is, in a, is an aspect of himself I agree with, but I don't think it goes to the point of saying that he's, he doesn't have emotion, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and again, I could be wrong. I might have might have not heard my teacher correctly and like i said i'm not a philosopher just dabbled in it in in, in my time in seminary but um i do not agree with that and i'm in fully support of what you said i mean he's the source of all these emotions right he he created that right in some way shape or form so um and i know that there's so many other writers who probably brought more detail into it but on that simple premise alone i disagree right. with yeah you know, so. when i th say that god is unchanging um that's too limited of a description right i think his faithfulness is unchanging i agree exactly his love is unchanging exactly right like uh his commitment to and his intention for creation has not changed absolutely change. absolutely right that's that's okay to use the word unchanging in those contexts 
And and if I look at the Bible, when I read it, I see that God gets angry, he yeah. gets jealous. Jealous for us, not jealous like like a human would get jealous. Right. Um, he rejoices, you know, he has sorrow, right? Like, so I don't know what Bible they're reading if they're, <laughs> if they're seeing that God is, doesn't have emotion, dude. Right. Something else about Avengers okay. Endgame. Um, we, the big Civil War kind of, the, the four front runners of Civil War was Tony Stark and Captain America, right? Stark was pissed at Rogers, Rogers was pissed at Stark. Um, and even when in, in an Endgame, when Captain Marvel went out to space and rescued the spaceship with uh, Tony Stark and Nebula in it, they bring him back and he's, he has this IV stuck in his arm and he's like crazy skinny. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they did it, but it looks so realistic. It was I know, right? Oh my and, gosh, that is his, so true. And Robert Downey Jr.'s performance was just incredible. Like, yeah. He was just livid. He was angry. And he was, he, and he was angry because their breakup be, the, between the two of them happened because Tony believed that, that a threat was coming. Mm-hmm. And he, he envisioned or he dreamt a suit of armor around the world. And so that's why he created a artificial intelligence with the, spa- with the Mind Stone. Was it the Mind Stone? <laughs> Uh, it was, was whatever was the, stone that Vision had. It was the so Yellowstone. Yeah, right? it was that. But I think it was the Mind Stone. Yeah. Right. So he 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 wants to put the Mind Stone into a suit of armor, and the armor comes to life. Yeah. Right? And then the AI goes haywire and <laughs> tries to destroy all human life. And and so Steve Rogers is mad at Stark, and Stark has good emo- good uh, intentions, good yeah. motives, right? Yeah. But Rogers says like, you can't make that big decision without us. Like, right. You have to talk to us first. Right. Um, and their argument basically ended up like this. Stark wants to protect the world, so that's why he created this like AI being. And then Rogers says, no, you can't do it. We will fight together. Right. When the time comes, when the threat comes, we will be there and we'll fight it together. Hmm. And that's why is Tony Stark so mad. Yeah. Because, because when Thanos did come, where was Captain America? He didn't show up until later, you know? And if only, if, if you only you listened to me, none of this wouldn't happen. Or, and then on the other side, if only you hadn't done that, like, right. something wouldn't go, go wrong. Right. So this is what happens in every argument between any, <laughs> any persons, right? Yeah. I'm right, you're wrong, you're right, I'm wrong, who is right, we don't know. Does it even matter? Like a- after the years and years of bitterness and anger and argument and debate, we oftentimes forget, like who threw the first punch, right? Yep. And and I, this is so real because like even within my own family, there are arguments that have lasted years. Yeah. And there is no like reconciliation in sight. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. And what does reconciliation look like when there are too many faults to count? Yeah. And no one remembers who threw the first punch. Right. And can we even trust our memories when we're angry? Right. No, that's you know? a good point. Yep. So in this movie, in Endgame, it just really taps into this age-old struggle that every human being, every tribe, and every nation has gone through, right? Right. How do you reconcile an argument? Um, especially when you don't know who's right. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure that the movie tries to, to tell you okay this is what you should do yeah but I just really admire how the movie helps us to like step in their shoes because they are representing what we go through all the time right right, right. Um, if if I may if I may what changed right so we had in the beginning of Endgame 
just Robert Downey Jr. just so angry and just letting uh, Steve Rogers know, you know, you weren't there. You weren't there. You screwed up. You failed, right? And then he leaves or he's bedridden. They go to Thanos, try to finish it. Five years later happen. Apparently, apparently they haven't really talked to each other, you know, during that time, right? So what happened? What changed? What changed for uh, for uh, Tony Stark to go back to Captain America, shake his hand, give him back the shield, and say, you know, you know, sorry, don't tell anyone that I gave this to you. I don't have, I don't have it for every, anyone's exactly. Yeah. What happened? What changed? It was Scott Lang. It was Ant Man. Ant Man changed it. Ant Man coming back from Thanos' snap which I believe is a resurrection moment. Um, he came back and, um, and provided a solution to fl be flexible with time and space to, um, to take care of everything. So that all being said, that all being said, it takes a lot of strength and a lot of sacrifice and a lot of stamina and fortitude to um, forgive someone. But when resurrection comes into the picture, when Christ's resurrection comes to the picture, it's like it clarifies it so much more so that it should compel me to inspire me to seek out forgiveness. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so for me, the answer to make things easier to for forgiveness, even in the midst of all this, is Christ's resurrection. Because of Christ overcoming death, he overcome impermanence. That's the beautiful thing. God, God in his great mercy showed through Jesus Christ that the permanence of death is not permanent, you know? Yeah. And if that's the case, then, um, then things that doesn't look like should be forgivable can be forgiven. That's the beauty of, of thinking about the resurrection. And so because of that, as a Christian, it should be a slap to our face, a humility, a shameful humility when Christians aren't willing to forgive other Christians. You know, Jesus himself commanded, if you love one another, then the world will know that you're my disciples if you love with one another in the Gospel of John. But we, we choose not to, unfortunately. There's, there's stories where Christians fought other Christians. They're still backbiting right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But... Of all of us, and I think this is one of the reasons why you mentioned in our in our notes that we as evangelicals, we really don't take seriously the depth of the resurrection moment. You know, mm -hmm. it's either just to celebrate once a year during Easter or, you know, we just say it, you know, um, surface level wise. But when you really when we really think about and contemplate, wow, Jesus bodily resurrected. You know, he, on the third day, he came back to life. What would that entail? What would that suggest? And that, and one of those things for me is permanent things aren't permanent, you know, and that there's a hope there. And in that hope, there's in the, in the sense where, and like you said, honestly, as Asians, we have, there's bad blood among family members and there's still bad blood among family members. We don't, yeah, you're right. You're right. But since I'm an Asian and you're an Asian, we can say that, right? But, oh, you didn't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for imposing that upon you. My, forgive me. But, um, 
but in my family, we still have some junk, you know? And for me, um, you know, distant family-wise, and also, like, we still go through it. We fight and all that. The beautiful thing is, I guess what I'm trying to say through this rambling is um, Jesus Christ's resurrection tells me that there's a there's always an opportunity to forgive and there's always an opportunity to reconcile and um and that gives me hope yeah yeah i i think you know like i'm not trying to say that marvel movies are equal and parallel to the bible right but no. sometimes they do there's right. some overlap right and when when we think about the this concept of reconciliation between people that we have disagreements with Tony versus Steve. Um, I think that the only way that we can forgive if, if, is if we've truly received the forgiveness of God. Mm. Wow. You know? Yeah, like, that's right. I, I can't forgive your offense to me until that's I good. realize that my offense to God has been forgiven too. That's very good. You know? And that's the only, um, really, the only state of mind that that's really good. true forgiveness can happen. You can't guilt trip somebody into forgiving. Right. You know, like forgiveness can only happen out of a state state of gratitude and and rejoicing and gratitude, right? Yeah, uh, so. as well, part of pain and loss, right? The addition of pain yeah. and loss in your life helps you realize how much has been forgiven of you. You know, and yeah. so yeah, that's a good point. And you have to recognize you you can't um, accept forgiveness until you realize also that you you did something wrong. Right. You have to recognize. You have to even affirm and confess yep. your sin. Yeah. You know, so forgiveness only ha my forgiveness of you only happens when i realize that i am forgiven yeah know? that's good and and i think even in endgame that's there's still a, a sense where these movies teach us to live rightly you know like and you asked you asked earlier what changed what kind of brought tony and steve back together and you said it was resurrection in, in my own words i'd say what brought them back together was hope for the future yes right they, yep when when Tony was given this, he he was incepted that idea that you can use time travel. Um, I actually think that Tony thought about time travel before, but he didn't. Maybe he didn't factor in something new, mm. and and Scott Lang brought in that new factor. Exactly. I. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what I think too. Because like you know, a lot there was one YouTuber. I forgot the person's name, but um, or maybe someone else. But they made fun of the fact that. Oh, it only took Tony Stark five minutes to figure out time travel. Yeah. What's up with that? And I was like, no, there, there's a reason why yeah. he he figured it out in five minutes, and I think it has to do a lot with uh, what Scott Lang and Ant what Scott Lang Ant Man did. And again, it goes back for me to Resurrections, but yeah, uh, yeah but go yeah, ahead. I like, totally agree with you. Because Banner, the Hulk, and Scott Lang, they have a piece of the puzzle, right? But and then Tony Stark has another piece of the puzzle, and right? Without each other, the, the puzzle is incomplete. So that's why how, how it all came together, right? Yeah. But what happens is that there is now hope for the future, a hope that we can bring back our lost loved ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? and, yep. and this is completely in, in alignment with your, what you're saying, Simon. Yeah. Is that if I believe that all there is to this life is now, then I will hold on to my grudge till the, yeah. to the death. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. But if I was... If I truly believe that there is an afterlife, that there is a heaven and a hell, I would be more motivated to try to reconcile with the people that I've argued with. Right. Because, you know, like, there's there's a hope for the future. Exactly. And, exactly. Um, and so uh, I, f I feel like 
their hope was that they can bring back bring back life for our us it's the restoration of relationship yep that I can yep. be restored my relationship with God can be restored exactly but also my re- relationship with you my enemy yeah. can be restored yeah. as well right you know yeah no I Good exactly stuff. no I know man and it's uh but it's beautiful it's beautiful and that should invigorate our hope right and I, let me also add let me also add say you never say you have your say anyone is full of regret because they never had that opportunity that's what makes resurrection so powerful as well just like you said that loved ones can come back and you see again you know you have now that ability and chance to hopefully see that person again and speak to them and say look i know the junk that we went through before and all the crazy horrible things that we said to each other but none of that pales in comparison to what we've experienced now you know so you know there's it'll be a season of beautiful reconciliation and restoration you know so um so for those that do experience those regrets god still has the answer it's through the resurrection of christ you know so yeah i think um can i share one more point and then we can end the yeah the show awesome let's do it I I want to give tribute to the least most rec- the least recognized character in this movie. It's the rat. <laughs> right. Exactly. Nobody talks about how nope. heroic that rat was. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But out of fourteen million scenarios, yeah, there was either no rat, <laughs> or <laughs> or the rat stepped on the wrong buttons. Right. In the wrong sequence. Right. You know. Yep. And exactly. It's so funny because you think that. Iron Man was the key to saving this whole thing. He couldn't have done it without Scott Lang. Exactly. Scott Lang couldn't have come out. That's right. For the rat. Exactly. Exactly. And if the rat hadn't danced on those buttons the right way, (laughs) you know, dancing saved the universe, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, wow. There you go. (laughs) That's right. Star Lord. um, Yeah. And so for me, it, it talks about how astronomically coincidental things need to line up for life to exist. Yeah. Wow. You know, for life to work out the way it does. Huh. Um, a skeptic would say, oh, well, if you give the universe enough millions of years, then life will happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But for, for a theist like you and I, people who believe that God exists, like, you see how precious life is. Yeah, Where exactly. Out of billions and trillions of, um, uh, of ways that the universe could have gone, it went this way. Yeah. Where life could could it happen and could exist right and because it happens in such a it's because it's so rare that makes life so precious and we should to our best fight for life yeah to protect and to save as much as possible and on top of that we should not only protect life but we should also protect the dignity of life yeah and to make well, sure same. that everyone um, has has the right and the access to a joyful abundant thriving flourishing life and that's something worth dying for. Yeah, right on, man. Right on. Right. I think, I think that's a great way to end this episode. But um, so thank, thank you for all of us, all the, all of, all that are listening. But I do wish to say that I still have a lot of my notes, and due to time restraints, we didn't have enough to yeah. go to my. 
as, it saying, is a three-hour movie, so right, exactly. Yeah. So we should give it we should give it the honor that is due by doing another episode. So this is a to be continued, and um, we will definitely talk about Endgame on our next episode. And um, so yeah, but thank you so much, everyone. If you like this, please follow us on our website, like us on Facebook, add comments. You know, we're we're gonna celebrate the moment where. We hear from one of our listeners the first comment by and who asked a question, you know. So that would be great. But um, yeah, this was great. I had a blast. Thank you so much, Joey, for bringing up all your thoughts. It was it was incredible. So, do you yeah, have anything thanks, else you want to say? That's it. All right. Enjoy until next time. Till next time.